then there is a difference if you extract just the term, this is a golden retriever, to what is possible with uh, semantic technologies based on knowledge graphs, which is there is the concept of a golden retriever in there. And what we can do is we can really describe what is a golden retriever, right? We can, uh, in the knowledge model, we can assign uh, different attributes to that. That's Florian Bauer, Chief Solutions Officer at Semantic Web, talking about the power of knowledge graphs to describe rich media. You're listening to the Metadata Matters podcast from Grey Meta. In this podcast series, Grey Meta talks to people working with metadata on a daily basis to understand their perspectives and learn about best practices. In particular, I will focus on how technology like machine learning and AI can help generate, curate and work with that metadata. I'm Matt Eaton, Managing Director of EMEA at Grey Meta. This week, I've asked Florian to join us to talk about metadata and knowledge graphs and how that can help media companies. Semantic Web has a knowledge graph product called Pool Party, which helps companies structure their metadata and understand their content better. Florian and I cover a range of topics, including how knowledge graphs help make better decision making, improve content discovery and increase end customer satisfaction through personalization. We talk about the challenges faced by many content companies, such as the lack of controlled media vocabulary. And then Florian provides some great practical advice to start creating a controlled vocabulary and creating a knowledge graph. Here's the interview. So welcome to another episode of Metadata Matters, the Grey Meta podcast. And a few weeks ago, well, actually uh, at the beginning of this year, I interviewed Sally Hubbard from PBS and she discussed a project that Grey Meta was involved there. And one of the partners that we worked with on that project was Semantic Web. And so I thought it would be a good idea to get uh, Florian Bauer from Semantic Web onto the podcast and uh, tell us more about Pool Party, um, their taxonomy um, system. So, hi, Florian, thanks for joining us. Hello. Um, could you start by just introducing yourself and your role at uh, Semantic Web and how your product Pool Party helps organizations with metadata? Sure, I'm happy to do that and uh, welcome to everyone who is listening to this. I'm happy to talk to you today and thanks for the invitation, Matt. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, so my, my name is Florian Bauer. I'm uh, the Chief Solutions Officer at the Semantic Web Company. Uh, in that role, I'm responsible for, on the one hand side, um, creating strategic uh, partnerships, uh, which is a very important part of uh, what we are doing at Semantic Web Company, but also to work on, on new solutions in the area of Semantic Web and, and knowledge graphs. So um, for me, this is an exciting field to work in. I'm in that field for more than 15 years now um, for the first uh, 12 years of, of that journey, I was actually a customer of uh, Semantic Web Company. So I, I bought the product pool party, but then, then we decided it's a good idea to switch that role. And so I, I now uh, work for Semantic Web Company um, and uh, enjoy the ride uh, up to now. So it's uh, quite exciting to work in this innovative uh, field that we are in. In terms of our product, Pool Party, uh, well, I'll, I'll give you a very short uh, introduction to this. Uh, Pool Party is a semantic middleware. Um, basically, what we do with Pool Party is that 
we help organizations to create value from their data. So we work with a lot of organizations. We have now more than 150 of the largest organizations worldwide uh, who, who use PoolParty uh, to work on their challenges around uh, data management, around making sense out of their data, around uh, you know classifying things, linking the data sets that they have, uh, making sense out of the content that is uh, in that data. And to really understand what is uh, in the data sets that they are working with on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and as we all know, in, in companies uh, of that size, uh, you know, it's not one system that they're working with. It's a lot of systems. It's a, a very often a quite massive amount of, of data they deal with. Uh, and so what we really do is to help them with their AI strategy and digital transformation uh, projects to understand what assets they have in their data sets, what they mean and how they can be uh, connected and how they can interact with that. And, and I'll give you just three very brief use cases that we see very often. Uh, one is around you know, better decision-making. So it's about getting the right information to make a decision quickly uh, based on precise data, which comes from you know, not just one source very often. It comes from a lot of different sources and we bring that together and we, we support people in that decision-making process. The second use case that we see very regularly is uh, optimizing the knowledge discovery in the organizations. Again, this, the challenge is similar. No? You have a lot of data, you have a lot of information and knowledge in the organization, but how do you bring it together? How do you analyze it? How do you work with these kind of large amounts of unstructured data? And that's, that's where uh, the tool that we created uh, comes in very handy because you can analyze large amounts of unstructured data very quickly based on knowledge model, a knowledge graph. And the last one of that three that I wanted to mention is, uh, of course, customer satisfaction. Uh, we, we work a lot in improving customer satisfaction because uh, the more people, um, uh, the more activities are done online, the more people need to get the right content. They need to have personalized content. They need to uh, get recommendations that fit to what they need. And again, that kind of uh, knowledge graph-based uh, work that we do can help a lot to get people to really fitting uh, aligned content that fits to what they need and, and, and how they interact with systems. Great, thank you. Yes, that's a, that's a really good um, examples of you know, illustrating how, how that uh, pool party is used. And um, when you start working with uh, a, a media company, a content owner, what are some of the challenges that they typically have in their supply chain? Hmm. Uh, well, one challenge that we usually see uh, in in the media supply chain, but chain, but also in in other sectors, is that you know when you work with metadata and you start to use metadata for categorization, for making content findable, and so on, and you don't start with a controlled vocabulary, with an agreed way to 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 call things, with an agreed uh, way on 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 the, uh, defining the meaning of different things, then it gets very quickly into a quite messy situation. So it's it's this. Working based on controlled vocabularies uh, is a very important thing that uh, helps to overcome challenges of uh, connecting things that might not be rightly connected or missing out on things and so on. And also that whole 
processes that sometimes happen, uh, which are done purely manual in terms of tagging content, for example. You know, when um, I, I can give you maybe a, a quick example that comes to my mind is when when you work with a with a media asset management system, and uh, you know uh, uh, there are tools like like yours, uh, which are great in extracting uh, metadata from from a video, for example. And the tool extracts well. There is a golden retriever in that in that shot in that video, uh, in that scene. Then there is a difference if you extract just the term "this is a golden retriever" to what is possible with uh, semantic technologies based on knowledge graphs, which is there is the concept of a golden retriever in there. And what we can do is we can really describe what is a golden retriever, right? We can. Uh, in the knowledge model, we can assign uh, different attributes to that. A golden retriever is a medium to large dog. It's uh, really good in retrieving stuff, as the, as the name says. Uh, interesting enough, that's because they have a very soft mouth. Um, and uh, they are very kids and family friendly, uh, you know, all these kind of things that you can model into a knowledge model about that concept of the golden retriever. By the way, Wikipedia says uh, they are really good to be trained. I had a golden retriever for 15 years, and I disagree with that statement. <laughs> My golden retriever was not very well trained, but uh, but he was the nicest and cutest dog ever, right? And so, if you if you extracted that concept of the golden retriever from a specific uh, scene, you can use that information that this is a family friendly, a kid friendly dog and, and of a specific size when you want to identify if you want to reuse that scene in another uh, occasion, for example, where you have the context of let it be a forum where parents talk about uh, animals that fit to you know families or stuff like this. Yeah, So you can bring in that, that context, you can bring in that semantic meaning of that concept of the golden retriever into your recommendations rather than just basing it on the simple golden retriever is a dog. And you can also create this kind of footprints around this concept because you know maybe a Labrador is very similar to that. Yeah? So you could mix it up with, with things where a Labrador is, is appearing. And so there is a lot of things you can do with that kind of technology where you really understand the meaning of a concept that is extracted as metadata in the media supply chain rather than basing it just on, on, on words uh, or on a very simple concept. It's very interesting. And um, we've talked on this podcast series about taxonomies a lot. And most people have, have talked about taxonomy <clears throat> in a restrictive sense. So, you know, trying to uh, restrict the 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 understanding of a mm. of a, of an asset so that it can flow through the supply chain and and, and usually in relation to um, interoperability uh, with uh, different uh, different systems or different um, organizations and actors in the um, supply chain. What you described though with the knowledge graph is a way of freeing that content and and making it much more. Uh, uh, connectable with, with with other pieces of content and absolutely yes, yeah. and I think both scenarios have a real uh, a, a real uh, value. Yeah, it's also that you know applying rules and stuff like this is also very important around taxonomies, yes. but you can do much more uh, than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any advice 
for organizations um, either beginning in the journey or struggling to build and maintain a metadata taxonomy? Because I know it's not an easy thing, um, having been involved with it myself, but uh, have you got any um, advice? Yeah, I think the, 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 the first advice we very often give to our customers uh, is, uh, you know, start small and grow it. Uh, the a taxonomy is not a thing you develop once and then it doesn't live anymore and it doesn't, you know, you spend a year on doing that and then it's a, it's, it's a thing that doesn't change anymore. That's, that's really not the approach to do. And uh, I think it's really this start small, get, get the things together and... Um, when I talk about this, I, I, I often compare it to, you know, the development of, uh, you know, of, of, of human beings in terms of my son, for example, you know, when he was born, he started to crawl. That crawl phase would be build your controlled vocabulary, build your first knowledge graph, start tagging things. And that's, you know, in that crawling phase, the kid already explored new things, found new things, but it's quite still restricted. But it's this first step that you need to do before you can start to walk, right? And then once, once he started to walk, he started to start connecting things. He started to find new, new interesting things uh, that he couldn't reach before. And when I bring that back into semantic technologies, then this would be for me this kind of stage where you do the semantic footprinting. Like when you add a concept to something that's not just based on the, on the, on the word or on, on that one concept, but where you use the additional power of a knowledge graph which uh, gives you information about how things are related to each other. You know? when, when, I, when we talk about, for example, skills, you, know, you can define uh, that for being a front-end programmer, you need to be able to uh, write JavaScript, something like this. So it's an essential skill. And so I can use that knowledge and that information to map the right person to the project, because I understand that if someone is a front-end developer, he or she will very likely be able to, to work on JavaScript. And even though that's not a direct thing that's in a document, like in a CV maybe, I can make that recommendation based on that knowledge that we have in the knowledge graph. So that's that's really this walk phase for me. It's, it's really this phase of starting to, to, to explore new things. And then in the last phase, kids start to run. They start to, to challenge each other. They start to really win competitions. They start to run. Uh, and, and that's when, when, for me, the phase of trading semantic AI systems comes into place, when you really add the, the artificial semantic artificial intelligence component to it, when you build recommender systems, when you make intelligent uh, recommendations to people who are looking for a product or, or when you uh, gain insights from how people behaved in their way to use systems and so on. So you can combine all these three stages, this, the basic one where you build a vocabulary, where you start tagging, then you build up the, 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 the semantic footprints by adding that context from the knowledge graph. And then you really build your, your cool and smart uh, semantic AI applications on top. And so that would be for me the how how to start with it. It start small, build your first small taxonomy, build your first use case, start to crawl, and then go there uh, step by step and 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 grow your things. And I think that that will work quite nicely. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it, it also links to the way that you know, I guess within a large organization, different. Um, 
departments or functions um, take ownership of the data as well as it grows. And, and, and that's one of the one of the challenges of creating an enterprise-wide taxonomy is, is getting everyone buy-in um, to that. But but I your advice is start small in one area and then and then grow out from there. Exactly. Start small in that area and include your subject matter experts. I think that is a very important part here. Is And that also differentiates our approach a little bit from pure uh, machine learning approaches, for example, yeah? where we, we have the concept of, we call it the human in the loop principle. We think that you need to bring in your subject matter experts to help you building that, that taxonomy, that knowledge graph because they understand best on how your domain works, right? Uh, and, and very often in, in previous times, you had the challenge that um, when you brought in the subject matter experts, they had to talk to developers to, who then had to translate that into some technology, some, you know, uh, owl stuff or whatever. Yeah? Uh, and, and we really think that you should avoid that. And, and, and that's also why Pool Party has a very strong feature on uh, supporting the subject matter experts to build the, the, the knowledge graph with a graphical user interface, with giving the possibility of, of, for example, doing, we call that corpus analysis, where you uh, upload a ton of your documents, yeah, and you can upload 100,000, a million of your documents that you have. And the system will check the taxonomy that was created and make recommendations of what's missing there based on what you have in your data. Yeah? Because we can analyze that large amount of data very quickly, but we want to rely on the subject matter expert to tell us where it fits, you know, where's the best place to fit that concept, describe it and so on. So it's always this combination of machine and people that that makes a very strong approach, I think. Yeah. Thinking about just some of the organizations that have been using your system for a while and, and, and are more sophisticated in their use of the knowledge graph. Um, do you find that those organizations create roles just to look after the uh, the metadata and, and, and to own that? Or is it more of a sort of collaboration uh, with different departments? I mean, I, I, one of the reason I ask is um, one of the predictions uh, for 2021 that I had was that we'll see more uh, roles known as metadata curators, mm -hmm. people that are owning um and see the value of metadata within an organization. I just wondered if, if that's something you'd seen in, in your experience as well. Yeah, it's definitely a trend, I would say. Uh, it's, it's going into that, into that direction. Um, it's uh, honestly geographically different, I think. So uh, there are some regions where this picks up much, much faster and where there is, uh, you know, for example, the, 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 the job profile of a taxonomist is something that's quite well known in some parts of the world. In other parts of the world, that's still a very new concept that you need to explain why, why it makes sense to have that, that kind of a, of a job role. But uh, it's definitely uh, gaining speed, I would say, and uh, it's becoming more and more the, the standard, yeah. Interesting. Okay, thanks. Um, so the, the, the way that we've worked together, Grey Matter and Semantic Web is uh, with uh, Curio and, and generating machine learning metadata. Can you talk about some of the challenges and opportunities you see around machine learning generated metadata? Yeah, I, I, I think there are both challenges and, and obstacles when you, when you take the 
pure concept of machine learning generated metadata. Um, and I mentioned it already, I, we have a little bit of a different approach. We have this combined approach of the human in the loop with combining that with, uh, with machine learning and, and, and all the technologies there. I, I think the challenges you have with the, with the pure machine learning generated metadata is it, it very often creates kind of a black box. It creates something that's not very well explainable on how that happened, what happened there, how it was generated. And we see really more and more organizations talking about this responsible AI, explainable AI, all these concepts around, we have to understand why something happened and we can't rely on this pure black box uh, machine learning approach. And, and there, I think the knowledge graph principle is, is really useful because you, you see it, you can follow the path, you, you can understand why a decision was made but it still benefits from the machine learning approach because in, in the best way, uh, these two things interact with each other. And this is a constant uh, learning circle, circle that happens between the knowledge graph development and the machine learning that provides input to that. So there is a huge opportunity there. I think another challenge is that uh, we often see that people when they talk about this concept of uh, purely automated machine learning generated metadata, they assume that all the magic will happen very quickly and automatically. Um, one colleague from me said, said uh, pointed me to the word automatically some, somehow, right? It's, it's like uh, this, uh, we press a button and this all will solve all our problems. It's not the case in, in most of the cases. And so, so I think it's, it's really this combination of bring in your subject matter experts, support them as, as, as good as possible by these technologies like machine learning that can help a lot because a lot of pro data can be processed, a lot of input can be generated. And so the best of two worlds, I think the combination is the real opportunity. Plus the second opportunity, uh, of course, around that whole principle of machine learning generated metadata is you can work with a large set of data, which is too big for humans. So when we have uh, organizations coming say like we have 150 million documents lying there, and we don't know what it actually is. You need support from these kind of technologies, right? So and this 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 combination that uh, is the really interesting approach, I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely resonates with what we see, um, especially around. Um, managing customers' expectations. Um, they're either very, very high um, and unrealistic or very low. And it's and it mm. often somewhere in the middle. Um, the, uh, the human in the loop is, is absolutely critical uh, in our experience as well. I mean, it, it's remarkable what some of the visual, you know, computer vision um, services will pick up, mm. but, um, context is very important and uh, it's just it, it just doesn't make sense uh for a, a you know a, a machine learning service to understand all contexts um it, it's very difficult and uh, too expensive to train uh it wouldn't really make sense um so you know having having that human in the loop is really important Absolutely. I mean, bringing back my example of the golden retriever, for example, I have a picture at home from my, my dog where he jumps and it looks like a total scary dog wanting to bite someone. Yeah. But he was just, uh, the dog was just playing. Right. And it was just fun. Yeah? yeah. But if you do pure automated uh, processing here, it would probably come across as a, this is a very dangerous thing 
Yeah. But if you look at it and you know, well, it's a golden retriever, so it can't really be dangerous. So it's it's bringing that context in, definitely. Yeah. No, that's good. good. Um, that's a great example, actually. I, I love that example. Again, so. Um, so I know that Semantic Web have a white paper that will uh, be published shortly. Can you tell us a bit about what's going to be in it without giving too much away? Yeah, uh, we will. We actually, at the moment, we are working on a series of white papers around this concept of Enterprise 360 because we see more and more organizations really uh, get into that concept of wanting to have that holistic view on everything they are doing. We all know that Customer 360 concept quite well, I think, in the meantime, uh, but there are others. There is like uh, the Product 360, and that's the white paper that's written at the moment. It's like uh, describing on how knowledge graphs can help to consolidate information across the whole uh, product lifecycle. Um, so around this Product 360, really getting a good overview on that whole product lifecycle and using knowledge graphs and semantic technologies in that. So that will come. Uh, there are the 360s that we think are quite interesting, like uh, Employee 360, which is around the whole hiring processes, the training uh, that you need to do with people and so on, and even the offboarding after after people left. So there's, there, there's lots of interesting development there. And uh, so one focus that we have at the moment is um, putting that into papers uh, to describe on how knowledge graphs uh, and semantic technologies can help in these 360 degree views. Uh, and the one that will come out in May is about product 360. Uh, and of course, if you're interested in that, uh, this is the short promo thing here now uh, on poolparty.biz, uh, you can uh, register for the newsletter and uh, then you'll get the information when it's released. We expect it mid to end May. Great, thank you. And I'll, I'll put a link to that uh, website in the description of this podcast episode as well, so viewers can find it. Thank you. So looking forward <clears throat> um, to the rest of the year, we're almost uh, in, well, we are in May, almost halfway through 2021. Um, what developments over the next 12 months uh, around metadata are you excited about? Mm. Yeah, for me, it's I, I would say it's two things. One is one is that enterprise 360 principle that I mentioned. I I think that this is really exciting because it that uh, 360 degree view on on all the things that are happening in companies uh, have a very high uh, relation or link to metadata, uh, and 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 starting to know how to use that metadata to gain that 360 uh, views is something that I think more and more organizations will look into in the next year. So that that is something that I think is uh, from a more use case driven uh, point of view, quite interesting. And, and uh, we'll talk a lot about this, hopefully, uh, with a lot of interested organizations. Um, the second one is on a more granular level. Personally, I think that uh, this whole um, graph-based text mining uh, is, is a technology that really comes into a maturity level where a lot of organizations start to use it uh, and start to apply that to their systems. So it's all this uh, extracting uh, meaning out of unstructured data automatically based on a knowledge model. Uh, and we call that graph-based text mining uh, in short. Uh, I think that is something that uh, that excites me because it will open up uh, a lot of opportunities for companies to 
use and reuse the data masses that are siloed somewhere in be it data lakes or individual systems or databases or whatever. Uh, and that uh, will help uh, to really get a, a much better view on what you have there as data assets and how you can create value out of your data, really. Excellent. Very exciting. I, I, I love the idea of that. Of that. And I, I think you're right. It, you know, coming to maturity and building on um, uh, some of the taxonomies that people have started um, is so powerful. Um, and as, as we saw at uh, our, our project together at PBS, uh, the, the possibilities are, are very uh, beneficial to the business as well. Um, that's about all the time we have now, Florian, but uh, thank you so much for joining us and, and telling us about uh, Pool Party. Thanks a lot for the invitation. It was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see on what we can do in the next year uh, to apply all of this uh, in a lot of uh, exciting use cases. Thank you. As I mentioned in the podcast, if you're interested in reading the white paper series that Florian mentioned, I'll include a link to it in the podcast episode description. You can subscribe to the Metadata Matters podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. If you'd like to find out more about generating enriched time-specific metadata or GreyMeta's Curio platform, visit greymeta.com or email at metadatamatters, one word, at greymeta.com. See you next time.